0: there are still around 900 children who remain separated from their families. Is that something you continue to remain engaged on? Well, immigration is not part of my portfolio, obviously. I think everyone should be engaged. Oh, please.
1: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling there's something right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Me. to the right.
0: Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. From Pacifica Radio, this is the broadcast As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. Elsewhere in California, on KFOY, Red Bluff Redding, KKRN Round Mountain, KGOE, Eureka, in Oregon on KYAQ on the Central Coast, KSO in Cottage Grove, and K-E-P-W in Eugene. WLRI in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, in Maui, Hawaii on KAKU, Columbus, Ohio, WGRN, Palenville, New York, WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan, WPRR, New Orleans, Louisiana, WHIV, in Gallup, New Mexico, we're on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire, WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas, KSPQ, Seattle, Washington, KODX. Janesville, Wisconsin, WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul, AM 950, KTNF. The broadcast is also heard coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing the globe five days a week, usually hosted by the wonderful Brad Friedman and produced by the indefatigable Desi Doyen. But today you got me, your trusty guest host. I'm Nicole Sandler, host of The Nicole Sandler Show, based at NicoleSandler.com. Happy to be able to give Brad and Desi some vacation time with their families over the holidays. Me, I'm just a workhorse. I don't know about you. I can't wait to be rid of 2019. Here's hoping for a happy and prosperous and Trump-free 2020. It is election year, right? So there's a, a lot going on. And I know that Brad usually shies away from dealing with individual races. Um, today we're gonna speak with a candidate, a congressional candidate, but we're not gonna get so in the weeds of his individual race, but talk about where the Democratic Party is today and the kind of barriers they're putting up for progressive candidates to run and to show you why it's so important that you don't listen to the party, but go with your heart and your head and elect the most progressive candidates out there, because this is our one shot to do it. So we'll get to a conversation with Jenk Uger. Coming up in just a bit, but we'll start, as usual, with a look at what's happening in the news. And unfortunately, we begin with terribly bad news. Congressman John Lewis of Georgia announced Sunday that doctors have diagnosed him with stage four pancreatic cancer. John Lewis is, of course, a civil rights icon, now serving his 17th term in Congress. Lewis said he'd receive treatment over the coming weeks and return to Washington to continue working. About 1% of patients with stage 4 pancreatic cancer survive five years after diagnosis. In a statement, the 79-year-old Lewis said, While I am clear-eyed about the prognosis, doctors have told me that recent medical advances have made this type of cancer treatable in many cases, that treatment options are no longer as debilitating as they once were, and that I have a fighting chance. I've been in some kind of fight for freedom, equality, basic human rights for nearly my entire life. I've never faced a fight quite like the one I have now. Sending all kinds of power and thoughts and love to John Lewis. There were two separate instances of violent attacks against religious communities over the weekend. A gunman opened fire inside a church in the horrifically named town of White Settlement, Texas. Yes, it's really called White Settlement, Texas. Two parishioners were killed before the gunman was fatally shot by an armed churchgoer. The church had a volunteer security team that was able to be armed in a house of worship due to a a new law that passed after the Sutherland Springs shooting took the lives of 26 people back in 2017. And on Saturday night... Five people were injured when a man armed with what appeared to be a machete burst into a rabbi's home in a New York City suburb and slashed at people attending a Hanukkah celebration before running out screaming, I'll get you. The suspect, who allegedly has a long history of mental illness, has been charged with five counts of attempted murder and one count of first degree burglary. Several hundred Hasidic Jews marched in the streets of Monsey, New York, on Sunday to mark the dedication of a new Torah and to show solidarity following that stabbing attack the night before. The incident prompted New York police to increase patrols in Jewish communities already traumatized by a series of anti-Semitic incidents. One of the march goers, Sandy Rosenwasser, said, It's important to show we're not going to be stopped. The suspect was arrested hours after the attack, covered in blood, after his car was spotted crossing the George Washington Bridge into Manhattan. He pleaded not guilty to attempted murder and burglary. Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York called the attack an act of domestic terrorism. Family friends said the attacker is mentally ill, not a terrorist. Maybe he's both. That brings the number of attacks against the Jewish community around New York City in recent weeks to 13. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio announced new measures to combat anti-Semitism, focusing on key Brooklyn neighborhoods. It'll include larger police presences, more security cameras, and neighborhood safety coalitions. And if that's not bad news enough for you, a database compiled by the Associated Press USA Today and Northeastern University showed that there were more mass killings in the United States in 2019 than in any year, dating back to the 1970s, despite the country's overall homicide rate dropping. In total, there were 41 mass killings, a mass killing defined as an event in which four or more people are killed. This included 33 mass shootings. More than 210 people were killed as a result of the violence. While some of the killings resounded nationally, like the ones in El Paso and Odessa, Texas, Dayton, Ohio, Virginia Beach, Virginia, and Jersey City, New Jersey, many of them didn't get any news coverage at all because there were fewer than four people killed or it involved acquaintances or family members. It's shameful and frankly sickening. The Taliban said on Sunday that they've agreed to a temporary ceasefire nationwide, providing a window during which a peace agreement with the United States could be signed. A peace deal would allow Washington to bring troops home from Afghanistan and potentially end the 18-year military engagement there, America's longest war. As Trump always says, we'll see what happens. Speaking of Donald Trump, he's come under fire again, this time for retweeting, then deleting a post that included the alleged name of the anonymous whistleblower, whose complaint is the one that ultimately led to Trump's impeachment by the House. David Colapinto is a lawyer who represents whistleblowers in Washington. He said, quote, the president has a responsibility under the whistleblower statute to ensure protection of the intelligence community officials who report suspected wrongdoing. He said Trump's retweeting of the post to his 68 million followers, even though probably half of them are bots, uh, amounted to a willful violation of the law. Trump, of course, has repeatedly called for identifying the whistleblower and compelling him or her to testify. We will not say the name of the whistleblower, alleged or confirmed. We don't go there. Well, another day, another shady story about Rudy Giuliani. This time, the Washington Post is reporting that Rudy participated in a September 2018 phone call with Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro. Part of a shadow diplomatic effort backed in part by private interests that was aimed at engineering a negotiated exit to ease Maduro from power and reopen resource-rich Venezuela to business. This. According to a few people familiar with the endeavor, this phone conversation provides yet another example of how Giuliani used his private role to insert himself into foreign diplomacy, alarming administration officials confused about whose interests he was representing. And giving more ammunition to the calls for Rudy Giuliani to testify before Congress, maybe, hmm. In an impeachment trial of the president. Eh, Just a thought. Just in case you were in need of another example to prove that Republicans cheat, take Mark Meadows, please. Seriously, the Freedom Caucus co-founder announced he'd be retiring from Congress and wouldn't run for re-election. But he made his announcement on December 19th, a mere 30 hours before the filing deadline in North Carolina his state, leaving North Carolina Republicans in a bind because they didn't have a candidate to run in that district. Somehow, though, Linda Bennett, a Republican activist and real estate agent who is friends with Meadows' wife, launched her primary campaign that very same day. Critics suggest there's evidence that Bennett got a heads up from Meadows obviously irritating other North Carolina Republicans. That, my friends, is how they roll. And just breaking today, Bernie Sanders, who's finally being recognized by Politico and other mainstream corporate media outlets as a real contender, on Monday released letters from three doctors, all saying he's fit for the presidency. One of them wrote, quote, At this point, I see no reason he can't continue campaigning without limitation. And should he be elected, I am confident he has the mental and physical stamina to fully undertake the rigors of the presidency. Now that's feeling the burn. All right, we'll take a quick time out and come back on the other side for a conversation. With Jenk Uger, the founder of the Young Turks, decided that he's going to walk the talk, and he's running for Congress. We've got a lot to talk about, so stick around. Jenk Uger joins me next. I'm Nicole Sandler, your guest host today on the broadcast.
1: Hi, this is Brad. My thanks to those who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to sign up for a subscription to the broadcast of any amount you like. We rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please grab a subscription at bradblog.com donate. Thank you.
0: We're back. I'm Nicole Sandler, your guest host today on the broadcast. 2020, obviously a big year for a number of reasons, but most importantly though, it's election year again with everything at stake. Now, I know that Brad Friedman doesn't usually get down in the trenches of actual individual races. So that's not the purpose of today's interview, but I am excited to bring you this conversation with Jenk Yuger because I find him fascinating. And his insight, truly vital on a number of different issues, which should become apparent during the course of the interview. So joining me on the line right now is Jen Uygur. I'm so excited to, to have you on my show, Cenk. It's been a long time we spoke, as I was just telling you off the air, uh, about eight or so years ago when I was arrested at a town hall meeting, trying to ask my then congressman, Alan West, about his vote against uh, Medicare, uh, you know, and, and cutting budget for Medicare. It was right after the 2010 elections and things were all crazy uh, where, where Democrats lost a lot of seats. So hopefully things will be different this time around.
1: Yes. Um, and as uh, Greg Edwards, a former Just Democrat, once said, any old blue just won't do. Uh, <laughs> we not only got to get Democrats to win but we got to get uh, Democrats who are actually Democrats to win.
0: <laughs> exactly. Well, Democrats who, who don't come from the uh, conservative wing of the Democratic Party. We want progressives. And that's what this is all about. We've been fighting for progressive representation in Congress for so long. And obviously, Jenk, you've been doing it um, uh, on, the, on the airwaves, on the Internet, in media. And you decided now to uh, throw your hat in the ring and run for Congress from California's 25th Congressional district. We should we should back up a second, though, and talk about why this seat is open, because in 2018, along with a big Democratic wave and a big female wave as well, Katie Hill was elected from that district and she was she was a great progressive and. Um, and she was, I, I disagree with her decision to step down, but obviously what happened to her was so personal that she did what she felt was right for her. No, no one can second guess that. What do you think happened to Katie Hill? Was this a political thing? Was this something a disgruntled ex-husband did to her? Was it a combination of the two?
1: <laughs> Bless you. <Excuse> me. <laughs> okay. So I, I back Katie Hill a hundred percent on the show. Um, And uh, it's based on the publicly available evidence. Uh, So right now, the only things they have on her are that she had a relationship with a campaign staffer. Uh, That's not ideal, uh, to say the least, Uh, but it is not against congressional rules. And it's- if it was a congressional staffer, it would be a completely different level and a completely different issue. Some people allege that. but. They're also the people who have alleged terrible things and wrong things. So I, uh, until I see that evidence, I don't believe it. Uh, And so, and then the other thing they had was naked pictures of her, to which I said and I say now, so what? I I don't know what that proves. I I don't know if the Democratic Party panicked as they usually do and said, oh, it's a distraction. No, no, it's a distraction of right wing making. You don't fall for that trap by then saying, okay, I'm going to throw my own under the bus based on a nonsense charge that uh, from the right wing. I mean, the person who came up with this stuff and printed it in the first place is a right winger who worked for her Republican opponent. Wow. I mean, if, if that's all there is to it and Democratic leadership fell for it, it is super disheartening.
0: It really is. It really is. So um, it's sad that she's gone. Um, I was worried about who was going to step in to fill the void and was pleasantly surprised, Jank, when you threw your hat in the ring. Um, what made you decide to take this step?
1: Yeah. So, look, Nicole, I honestly i am so frustrated that uh, we're not talking about the number one issue in the country, which is bribery. Mm. Uh, so the campaign contributions are bribes. Nobody calls them bribes. Uh, none of the political figures call them bribes. No one in the media calls them bribes. In fact... When I started calling them bribes during this congressional run, two things happened. One, reporters started paying attention. Before, when we were doing it on The Young Turks or you do it on your progressive show, they're like, oh, whatever, progressives, we don't care about you guys. You guys can make the most legitimate points in the world. You could have 100% factual basis. We don't care. We're not going to cover it. We're the corporate media, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If you're a congressional candidate, all of a sudden you have their attention a little bit. So then they come to cover it. But what is fascinating is more than the Democratic establishment, it's reporters who leap to the defense of corporate politicians, whether whether they're Democrats or Republicans. And so they've expressed outrage at the idea of, are you saying campaign contributions are just like bribes? Yes. Mm-hmm. Not only am I saying that over 90% of Americans are saying that. My question is, if you're a political reporter, why aren't you saying that? Does any person on the planet believe that ExxonMobil gives money to a politician for charity No, 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 no No one believes that. Yet every mainstream media reporter dutifully reports it as if it's perfectly normal and not a way to buy our politicians. And, you know, in a sense, it's wonderfully encouraging that this candidacy, let alone if I win, has sparked that conversation. Uh, On the other hand, it's depressing that it took one just candidate to spark that conversation, let alone the correct conclusion. Uh, Nicole, one last thing on that. Uh Uh-huh. My God, imagine if I win. <laughs> if, I, if I start making those speeches on the floor of the House mm-hmm. and calling out Republican and Democratic leadership and saying, look, you take fossil fuel money, you take health insurance company money, drug company money, and I'll show you exactly how much you took. That means you you should not vote on this bill at a bare minimum. It is a massive conflict of interest. And if you have the floor of the House, that is a mic they cannot take away from you and since we're 100% right and they're 100% wrong they will be defeated in that national conversation all you need is just put one guy like me mm-hmm. in. so that's why I'm asking progressives all across the country put me in coach jenk <laughs> 2020com
0: jank2020.com we've got it up on the screen on youtube uh obviously you're on uh twitter at jankhugger um that the that- the the district the 25th district of California I lived in Los Angeles for a good 15 years uh in L A and um, L A is is <laughs> encompasses a huge area this is th- th- what tell us about the district
1: yeah so it's a fascinating district it's a mm-hmm. perfect district in a sense so uh, the southern half is more suburban Santa Clarita Simi Valley Porter Ranch so a lot of commuters into L A there's also good industry in those towns as well. Uh, and then the northern half is the uh, Antelope Valley, so on mm. Bay, Lancaster, Ooh. and that is uh, in the middle is the mountains, so it's a little bit more rural. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's the whole district is very middle class, so you don't have the extreme wealth of Beverly Hills, Brentwood. It's not that LA at all, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, and they, you do have some pockets of, of poverty, and homelessness is a very significant issue throughout the district. But overall, it's very middle class, and so. This is exactly the kind of district that Democrats should win and that progressives should win. They think, oh, no, you need corporate Democrats to win over the middle class voters. I've never seen a middle class voter in my life that said, you know what? I wish my politicians would be more pro-corporate. It's (laughs) just not a thing. It's a total myth. And, you know Nicole, I I put this thing out on Twitter just this morning. I've been knocking on doors. I've knocked on hundreds of doors already. uh, My volunteers have knocked on thousands of doors. So please volunteer wherever you are in the country. You could also phone bank. That's also at jank 2020com or send text. But anyways, I knock on doors. I've actually not met any centrist voters. Hmm. What I have met is people who are concerned that other people are centrist voters. And they've been told by the media that they have to vote for centrist candidates because of the mythical centrist voters that they've never met either. Right? right? So all of it is propaganda to get you to vote for the corporate candidate rather than the candidate you actually agree with.
0: Absolutely. And and you and I have a shared, I think, disdain for the corporate uh, mainstream media because of the, just the fallacies they put forward, the lies they tell, the fact that they're so selective in how they cover Candidates in their campaigns. Obviously, Jenk, you're running for a congressional seat, but we are also in the midst of a presidential primary season. And the the Bernie blackout is real. And it's just this past week. After I think Politico ran a story saying, "Wow, Bernie's surging again. He could. This could happen." That the corporate media, the MSNBCs and the CNNs were forced to say, "Oh well, I guess he's still in the running. He could be a force to be reckoned with." Um, You know, I I go back to the. I've been in radio for since college for 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 over forty years, and the you know I watched this industry broadcasting. Deteriorate, thanks to Bill Clinton, the Te- Telecommunications Act of 1996, and consolidation, and the lack of uh, local ownership, and now technology, which has forced so many people out of out of work. We're getting uh, our media is being controlled by a such a small number of voices, and we're hearing from really the viewpoints of their corporate overlords. Um, I had Tom Steyer on this program the other day. And I, I had 10 minutes with him. And I used my 10 minutes based on his website. He said, here's my story. And at the very end of his long story, he says, now tell me about you. So I said, I want to tell you about me. And I told him about my history. I've been on radio my entire adult life. And I'm unemployable now because there just aren't jobs because of technology, because of the lack of a fairness doctrine anymore, because of the Telecommunications Act, because of ownership rules. And I, uh, you know, I was blunt. I didn't say anything to him that I or I did, don't say anything to listeners that I wouldn't say to him or to you. Uh, I think he's on a quixotic, you know, ego driven campaign. And the fact that he says he's going to spend a 100 million of his own dollars for this presidential run, I think, is not only ridiculous, but I think it's almost criminal. I think of all the good he could do to uh, with that money. And the thing that came to me that I suggested to him is fund a progressive media center. He, I always believed he who controls the media controls the world. You go back to uh, Berlusconi in Italy to, to see that. You go back through history and you know better than anyone, Jenk, you built a media empire. But we are, we've been relegated to the Internet. The public airwaves, which are still public, are, are taken over by the right wing and the progressive majority that i believe we are doesn't have a voice in the mainstream corporate media how dangerous do you think that is
1: so lots of cover there first uh you know uh, i think bloomberg is far worse than uh, Oh, I, uh,
0: I agree but i didn't we, have bloomberg on the show <laughs> <laughs> No,
1: i'm with you he's the pro-corporate uh, mm-hmm. pro-billionaire candidate mm-hmm. in the race bloomberg is and he spent 120 million dollars on just advertising in just three weeks oh my god if if, to give you a sense of perspective the entire Flint Michigan water disaster could be solved with 55 million (laughs) dollars so less than half of what just one billionaire candidate spent in three weeks in TV advertising and by the way if you're worried about or wondering why the corporate media never covers money in politics and corruption and all these issues well look at their advertising that's right they get six billion dollars every two years uh, on average Uh, In political advertising, that is where the money in money in politics goes. It goes straight to TV ads. Mm -hmm. That's why TV has a blockade on the most important issue. They have these nonsense conversations about, oh, I wonder what Senator Graham thinks and Senator Kennedy thinks. They don't think a goddamn thing. What they think is, where's my check? Mm -hmm. And so everybody that uh, covers politics knows this. They do exactly what their donors tell them to do, yet not a single national media reporter covers that. Isn't that amazing? So that is the corporate media stranglehold on information in this country. And unfortunately they've taken something that was wonderful, journalism, and they've turned it into propaganda. And and if you read Noam Chomsky, it is, I mean, textbook manufacturing consent. So now the problem, Nicole, is that when you have uh billionaires um that are progressives or kind of progressives. Yeah, right? they don't want to upend the system too much either. Mm. And Steyer does do good work. He does fund some grassroots oh, efforts against cl- and he fights against climate change, etc. But whenever you get to Steyer's or the Soros's or the Democracy Alliance or any of those folks, and you talk about... Real change, like for example, calling a constitutional convention mm-hmm. to get an amendment to get money out of politics. Oh, no, 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 no. That that change is too big. It's too big. How about funding a progressive media outlet that actually aggressively fights for progressives? Yeah. No, 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 yeah. no. That's too much change. That's too scary. And let's keep it real. Even if you're a good guy, and there and there are good guy billionaires. There are. Okay? Yeah, I agree. But um, but. You don't want to rock the boat. It's your boat. If you're the corporate media, you don't want to rock the boat. It's your boat. You're a multi-billion dollar national or multinational corporation. You're the ones who fund the politicians, and the politicians fund you. So when Nicole, you or I am doing this at a media level, and that's part of the reason we started TYT in the first place. That's why we run on a shoestring budget. We don't have a choice. There are no fancy like backers that just give you money. The right wing. Mm -hmm. They don't do investments. They just give Glenn back right. and Ben Shapiro millions and of dollars and buy their books
0: and fund them in, in every imaginable way.
1: Yeah, and we don't have yep. billionaire progressives that do that on our side, uh, and and so you know we're at a massive massive disadvantage, and that's why we call TYT Rebel Headquarters because we are we're the rebels and we're looking to overthrow this incredibly corrupt system. And in an Orwellian fashion, uh, almost all the mainstream media tells you, what corruption? Right. Well, we don't see it. And and Nicole, <laughs> last thing on that. That's what we've been doing on the media level, you mm-hmm. and I, for a long, long time, right? Right. And there's other wonderful shows like Secular Talk, Majority mm-hmm. Report, I can go on and on, oh, yeah. right? Yep. But we need to get inside the castle. If we could just land one person inside the castle, it could make a giant, giant difference because I could open the gates for everyone.
0: Exactly. And that's why I was so frustrated. And I let my frustration be known to Tom Steyer because he was the only billionaire I, who was running for president that I had, wh- whose ear I had for 10 whole minutes. And it just, it went in one ear and out the other. I, it, it, it's, it's so frustrating. And I know you know that frustration. So Cenk, what happens? You win your, your primaries in March in California. You win the primary and then you go on to win the general in November. What happens with the, the Young Turks?
1: So first, let me break down how this election is working, because okay. it's funky. Okay. It's a special election and a November All election right. at the same time. Oh, my. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> so you've got in on the March 3rd primary in California, you get to vote for me twice. Because <laughs> it's real. We're on the ballot twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, and if you, by the way, if you're in the 25th district, look it up. Uh, or you know anyone, look up the 25th district and see if you know anyone in the 25th district and spread the word. Volunteers make all of the difference. So jeg2020.com for that. So uh, if uh, on March 3rd, you're voting for the special election, which is has the runoff date of May 12th, mm-hmm. you're also voting in the primary for the November election. Wow. But if I get over 51% in on March 3rd, I already win the special election. So now think about that possibility for a second, because if on March 4th, I'm a United States Congressman, I get to then have a much louder voice to fight for progressives in the presidential primaries. So I could then come in and go, hey, look, one of the most progressive guys in the country just wanted a purple district. So all of you that are worried about, oh my God, if we elect a progressive presidential candidate, We'll lose centrist or we'll lose purple districts. I just proved that wrong completely. So make sure that you do not believe that mythology, it is meant to keep progressives down. We can win anywhere. So that's why this election is so, so important. So my they have an establishment Democrat running against me. She spent like she brags on on social media about how she spends all day dialing for dollars. She was a state assemblywoman in California, you're allowed to take money directly from corporations if you're at the state level. So she took money from insurance companies and Facebook and Lyft. And and then, hey, after taking money from insurance companies, she's against Medicare for all. What an of unbelievable coincidence. Right, right. So And she keeps bragging about how she doesn't have to debate because she's handpicked <gasps> by Nancy Pelosi and other Democratic leadership. So look, if she disrespects the voters that much that she won't even show up for a debate when all the other Democrats are gonna debate. That tells you who she is. When she brags about separately how she was handpicked by Democratic leadership, that tells you who she is. So this race is a microcosm of progressives versus the establishment all across the country. And it's in the middle of a presidential primary. And so it makes all the difference. That's why I'm going and evangelizing. I know it's for me, so it's kind of funny and ironic, but it's true. If it was anyone else in my position, I would do the same, and I have done the same. I co-founded Just Democrats. She Mm. says, I'm an assemblywoman. What have you done in politics? Are you kidding me? (laughs) I co-founded Just Democrats, a whole wing of the Democratic Party. And we helped, we had AOC on our show right? 34 times uh, before her primary win, more than all of the rest of the media combined. So it's not that I would theoretically do it for other progressives, I have done it for other progressives. So that's why I'm saying, Jake2020.com, you got to get involved. If you get involved, we can win this race and we could rock this country and show everyone how strong progressives are.
0: And absolutely, and you build on what started in 2018 with Justice Democrats, with AOC getting elected. So you have a number of freshmen like her who are motivating, who are, they're, they're walking, they're they're saying the things that we've been fighting for for all these years. And so, and then you build on people like Pramila Jayapal, who's just awesome and now as a co-chair of the Progressive Caucus in the House. They're finally moving in this direction. Who are, who are your other allies that you look forward to working with in in the House? Who are who are the ones making change? You think?
1: So I wish the Progressive Caucus was more progressive. <laughs> There's a lot of folks in there that are also part of the New Dems, yes. which is conservative <laughs> Democrats. So that makes yep. no sense at all. None at all. Uh, and it's very hard to keep them together. And I really respect Pramila Jayapal and Mark Pocan trying to. Uh, walked out line, and it's a tough line to walk. Um, but look, there's seven just Democrats. Uh, I would take them over the rest of um, uh, the House combined, honestly. Mm-hmm. Pramila Jayapal, Raul Gurhalwa, Ro Khanna, uh, AOC, uh, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Ayanna mm-hmm. Pressley. Uh, these are the biggest fighters, the best fighters in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, I think we could do even more. Because there's this culture in Washington that uh, everybody gets indoctrinated into, which is be polite to your colleagues. Don't rock the boat. Don't be offensive to your colleagues. I'm willing to be the bad cop, uh, and I'm super happy to have AOC and Roe and Pramila be the good cops. Okay? Mm -hmm. But there needs to be a bad cop saying, look, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be polite uh, to uh, corporate Democrats. I'm going to be polite to my voters. I'm going to serve my voters and not the club. And the reality is the corporate Democrats take millions upon millions of dollars from the corporations. And then they turn around and they say, we're against Medicare for all and we're against Green New Deal. Right. So why would I agree with you? You I, just I, told me you're against our most important priorities.
0: A hundred percent. And there's even a bigger problem, Jenk, within the Democratic Party. And it's, it's right in their name because it is the most undemocratic thing a party could do. And that is put their... Whole bodies on the scale in primary races, they should be neutral, if anything, in a primary. And instead, the D Triple C, the 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 part of the party that's responsible for helping get candidates <clears throat> elected to to the House, um, put in a policy last year that you are not allowed to. Well, they can't say you're not allowed if you decide to primary. An incumbent House member—it doesn't matter. It could be Jeff Van Drew of New Jersey, who now is no longer a Democrat, or Colin Peterson of of Minnesota, who you know voted against I- impeaching Donald Trump. Or, or Dan Lipinski of Illinois, who is anti-choice, if you decide to um, support or work for his opponent, in this case, it's Marie Newman again, running for a second time against Dan Lipinski, then not only will you be get no help from the party, you will be blackballed. Anybody who works for you as a vendor, as a pollster, uh, as an advertising in any capacity, anybody who works for your campaign will be blackballed by the party to never, work again. They're threatening people's livelihoods because they choose to support a a, a primary challenger. How is that democratic?
1: And they think it's offensive when we call them corrupt. Right. (laughs) Right. They say in our corruption, we will try to ruin your careers and your lives and your livelihood unless you support our corrupt candidates and our corrupt consultants. And, And then when we politely point out what they're doing, or sometimes impolitely point out what they're doing. They go, how dare you say the truth? That is so offensive. No, what you're doing mm-hmm. is offensive, not us pointing it out. So look, I'll give you uh, two examples, one of which you mentioned. Dan Lipinski is yeah. flat out a Republican. Horrible. He was a Republican until the minute he started uh, running for his daddy's seat mm-hmm. that his daddy handed him. Yep. And then he switched his registration. But he didn't switch any of his ideas or any of his policies. He voted against uh, the Affordable Care Act. He's voted with every tax cut. He's anti-choice. He's a Republican through and through. Mm-hmm. So was, by the way, Jeff Van Drew. That's right. And, and and he said, he basically said when he came out to Trump that I, he came out of the closet and said, I'd always been this way, right? But the Democratic Party, because he put a D on his helmet, said we back him against all progressives Yeah. So we will crush any progressive trying to defeat this Republican that calls himself a Democrat. That's done a trick to trick his own voters by calling himself a Democrat when he votes with Republicans. Another great example of that is Henry Cuellar in Texas, yep. voted with Trump 70% uh, of the uh. time, 70%. How's that guy on my team? By definition, he's, he's on Trump's team. That's right. So guys, don't listen to any of that crap, whether it's the Democratic Party leadership or corporate media. Go to, G- uh, now look, I don't take endorsements But so I'm not on there. I'm telling you to help other progressives. Mm -hmm. Go to justicedemocrats.com. You'll see Jessica Cisneros running against Cuellar. It's so important for her to win her election. Her primary is also March 3rd. Okay. So, and if she wins and I win, oh my God, the media's head's going (laughs) to explode. We're (laughs) we're going to get to have this giant mic together. And then Marie Newman running against Mm, Lipinski, also just Democrat. Jamal Bowman running against Elliot Engel, and I could go mm. on. Morgan Harper, what a wonderful candidate. Uh, Alex Morse running against the corrupt Richard Neal, who, who doesn't want Donald Trump t- investigated. So, all these great guys and, and non-just Democrats, too, like Mike Siegel in, uh-huh. in Texas. And then I got to tell you about one Senate candidate, Andrew Romanoff. Oh, yes.
0: Please. Colorado. Against um uh, uh, Frackenlooper, who, That's again, the party has endorsed. He is not where we are.
1: So, uh, Nicole, let me say two things about John Hickenlooper, as you correctly identified his nickname, Frackenlooper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason he has that nickname is when he was governor of Colorado, he sold out to the fracking industry so hard that he drank fracking fluid in front of yeah. everyone to show how loyal he was to the oil and gas industry. And the Democratic, and he says he is, you know, he's going to vote against Green New Deal. No question about it. A hundred percent guaranteed that he will vote with the Republican Party. Chuck Schumer comes in, goes, "That's my guy. Amazing. I love that guy." Yeah. Not only do they say they endorse Franken they then give him untold sums of money. They then, even though he's not an incumbent, yep. They say if you work for Andrew Romanoff, the Progressive, whose whole campaign is around Green New Deal. We will destroy you. We will blacklist you, just like the, the House Democrats are, even though Hickenlooper is not an incumbent. And we will do that because we're so desperate to help the Republicans defeat Green New Deal. And then I'm supposed to agree with Chuck Schumer? Right. What the hell would I agree with my own opponent? He, If you're with the Republicans on Green New Deal and Medicare for All and keeping corrupt money in politics, you are not my colleague. You are my opponent, and I will defeat you.
0: Exactly and thank you. This is where this is what we have been working for uh, I, I can't speak for you for me for 20 years to get to this point. This, and it is our time. This is the time for progressives to stand up. And Chuck Schumer is infuriating. I mean Kirsten Cinema was his handpicked candidate for Arizona and she's as Republican as they come. They need to stop telling Democratic uh, voters how to vote. We're intelligent people. We can make up our own minds. The party needs to take their fingers off the scale.
1: Look, guys, look, so first cinema's a great example. Mm-hmm. She when she first won a house seat, she pretended to be a progressive. She did. And she won easily mm-hmm. because they actually know that being more progressive leads to more electoral victories. Okay. But then she got the corporate money once she got in, and she's like, Oh, that corporate money tastes so good. Yeah. So she got r- drunk on that corporate money. And now she, th- when she was running for Senate, this uh, Schumer goes, oh, you're going to vote with the Republicans. I love it. Then I'll pretend there's nothing I could do. I'll please my donors. I'll put cinema in. And she'll vote with the Republicans. And then I'll say, oh, well, I, I lost Manchin in cinema. What can I do? So since she's won, you know how much uh, she's voted with Democrats versus Republicans? She voted with Trump 54% of the time.
0: That's about right. So
1: that makes you, if you vote with Republicans, Republican. a majority of the time, that makes you a Republican. Yes, it does. Right. Yes. But they get to, but they, she wins the election because she calls herself a Democrat, and the Democrats are now more popular. Mm-hmm. She pretend to be a progressive initially, and Schumer gives her millions upon millions of dollars. And the worst trick of all, guys, is when the Democratic Party puts a stamp of approval on someone, it still works, especially for some demographics of voters that are like, oh, I guess that must be the democratic uh, person, the person who's going to fight most for democratic ideals. In reality, it is almost always the opposite. If democratic leadership approves of someone, that means they are incredibly likely to be a corporate sellout who is more likely to vote with the Republicans and more likely to vote against Democrats and definitely will vote against progressives.
0: What do you think about, uh, I, I agree with everything you said, Cenk Uygur, the, the Nancy Pelosi's leadership in the House, um, you know, she's been vehemently anti-impeachment for, well, in, in both her reigns as Speaker. She refused to bring um, impeachment charges against George W. Bush, who was guilty of war crimes. He lied us into a war and so much more. He was a heinous, horrible president who's only being made to look somewhat like a decent human being because of the thing that's in the White House right now. She had to be dragged, kicking and screaming to impeach him when it was just... The, the, the you know, he admitted to trying to bribe the president of Ukraine on national television. I think she was left with no choice. But uh, do, should Nancy Pelosi be speaker anymore or is it time for her to go home?
1: Oh, I wouldn't vote for her. Uh, I mean, so why would I vote for someone who says, I, I am going to work towards defeating all of your priorities? Right. Yeah. Says, I-, I don't care for Medicare for all. She says about green, you do a green dream or whatever.
0: Right. Right. She
1: fights against an amendment to get money out of politics almost more than anyone else in the country. So not a lot of people know that, but I also found a group called Wolfpack that's yes, to get money right. out of politics, uh-huh. nonpartisan, and initially they were opposed most by the Koch brothers. They defeated them in multiple states, including New Jersey, California, right, and many others. But then Nancy Pelosi and the Democratic leadership started calling Democrats all across the country in places like Maryland and Hawaii and telling them, no, we have decided we convention is wrong and amendment is wrong. In essence, we don't want to get money out of politics. And it makes sense. Nancy Pelosi brags that since 2002, she has raised, I think it was $782 million. Oh, God. Now that's $782 million in bribes. So do you think she's going to turn around and give away the source of her power? The source of her power is corrupt corporate PACs. She's taken herself personally, forget what she's raised for the Democratic Party, $1.5 million in health insurance PACs, wow. PAC money. Wow. So really, really? I mean, God, how bad are reporters at their jobs? Terrible. You think she just <laughs> happened to hate Medicare for all out of nowhere when she pretended? She says, oh, I used to be for single payer 30 years ago. Uh, I've got a poster of it in my basement where I buried it. <laughs> Okay. Right. Well, then why aren't you for it now? Exactly. Could it be the one and a half million dollars that insurance companies gave you? <gasps> scandalous to mention the thing that is so obvious to the whole rest of the country. But a lot of Democratic voters have also been trained by that corporate propaganda. You must bow your head to Pelosi and Schumer, and no matter how much they spit in your face, no matter how much they fight against your priorities, you must back them because you have no other choice. Well, I'm here to tell you, you have another choice. Absolutely. So you have another choice in primaries all across the country. Find the progressive in your area. Vote for them. Never vote for those corporate corrupt Democrats. And by the way, don't give them money and don't volunteer for them. (laughs) So they'll find that scandalous too. But I'm telling you why. You choose the corporate path, then you've made your bed. Go hit up your corporate Buddies for money. They have millions and millions of dollars. Let them give you the money. Why is somebody going to, people you have 27,000 individual contributions have come into my campaign. Wow. The average donation is 26 bucks. Okay. Nice. So why is it 26 bucks? Cause it's real people who actually want real change. My opponent in the early part of this year, her average contribution was a stunning $2,700. Wow.
0: Funny okay? how that works, isn't it?
1: Yeah. yeah. So why would I tell people to throw away their $26 that's so important to them, that they barely get by on, on a candidate that's going to take corporate money at $2,700 a pop, right? Right. And a lot of times millions of dollars at a pop. No, if I am in the House, I'm not voting for Nancy Pelosi. And uh, so I will vote for a progressive. And if they cry about it and they go, oh my God, lack of unity, I will point out to them here, one last thing here on this, Nicole, 81% of Democratic voters want Medicare for all mm-hmm. that's in a New York Times poll now the New York Times will ignore that and then say it's unpopular even though they they're the ones who did the poll okay so 81 percent I am with 81 percent of Democratic voters Nancy Pelosi is opposed to 81 percent of Democratic right. voters so let me ask you who's the one causing disunity I would argue it's Nancy Pelosi. I, for I would, her own voters.
0: I would, too. I, I've been saying we need a we need a shake up in leadership. I mean, you got Nancy Pelosi. You got Steny Hoyer. You got Jim Clyburn. I'm sorry, I, I'm anything but ageist. I support Bernie Sanders for president, so it's not an age thing. But the Democratic Party needs new blood at the top. They are fighting a losing battle. And the way to move forward is with a progressive vision. That's why Bernie Sanders is still surging after all this time. That's why Politico and the other rest of the corporate media has to finally acknowledge him because their, their practice of ignoring him hasn't worked for them. We'll be back with more of Jen Huger, candidate for Congress from California's 25th and founder and co-host of The Young Turks. With me, your guest host, Nicole Sandler, on the broadcast. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. We're back with Cenk Uygur, the man behind the Young Turks, who's now running for Congress from California's 25th congressional district. So I got one last question for you, Cenk. I know that Bernie did endorse you, and then you you stepped back and said I'm not going to take any endorsements and there was more to it I, I'd love for you to explain what that was all about what's going on there
1: yeah so since uh, corporate Democrats never want to talk about the issues right the first thing they do with progressives and they've done it to so many different progressive candidates and whoever's the strongest they target the most mm-hmm. okay always uh, they go for personal smears mm-hmm. and character assassination yep oh do you know jank uh, used to be a Republican did you know that Jenk once said something wrong 19 years ago? And I did. And did you know I've apologized for it now dozens, maybe hundreds of times? I don't care. I don't care. So I have my friends in the corporate media. I'm going to use them. And I talked to the LA Times reporter, the New York Times reporter. The CNN reporter didn't even bother giving us a chance. They uh, emailed us at 5 in the morning, gave us seven minutes to respond. <laughs> When we had not responded by 5.07 a.m., they're like, that's it, we're printing all the smears and none of your side. What happened to being neutral? I thought they were like reveled in being neutral. He said, she said, Republicans say this, Democrats say this. When it comes to progressives, neutrality and objectivity are flushed down the toilet. They don't give a damn at all. They hate us. So, But in the case of the LA Times and New York Times, I talked to the reporters. I said, here's the context. And so I am known as what? A progressive fighter. Mm -hmm. So if you... Uh, run only these smears, you'll make it seem like I'm a right winger and completely deceive your own readers. It makes it seem like, wait, why is the most progressive guy, doesn't it as a reporter, doesn't even create intellectual curiosity for you? Why do tens of millions of progressives like this guy if 99% of my article is about how he's a right winger? Right. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. But the L.A. Times reporter flat out told me to my face, he's like, I'm not going to cover the issues. I'm only going to cover this. Oh, God. Okay. And the New York Times and the L.A. Times and all those folks, They, when I say smears, I want you to understand, there's the old stuff that I've apologized for. Then there's stuff that they just made up. I had an interview with David Duke. I absolutely destroyed him. And it, no one has ever had David Duke on and yelled at him, except for me. I yelled at him for 57 minutes straight. <laughs> And I told the reporters, look at the interview. And, and the LA Times, I said, I looked at it. And New York Times I said, I'm going to look at it, definitely. And if you think I was uh, uh, enabling him, okay, then you write that. But no rational person could possibly believe that. So they watched the interviews. And then they made it appear that I invited him on to share his anti-Semitism. Oh, God. Well, what is that? That's nothing but a lie. In fact, a malicious lie. Because they know for a fact that wasn't true. So this is who the corporate media is. They despise progressives And so since uh, they were attacking what what they wound up doing Nicole that was so important is they said okay Jak's a bad guy blah 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 right mm-hmm. okay I a am a grown-up. I can take it. I know what politics is like right But they then did smear by proxy. So then Bernie must be all these things. O'Connor must be all these things. So when they did that I pulled a shoot. I said no, I don't want to hurt Bernie under any circumstances. It is way more important that Bernie Sanders wins his election than I win my election. Uh, this is our one chance. Bernie's got a real chance to win. Mm-hmm. Not a real chance. I think he's the favorite. I think so, too. And so, and, and all the corporate media says, no, vote for a centrist. Yo, Biden's the only one who could beat Trump. <laughs> Biden, Biden, Buttigieg, Buttigieg. And then these <laughs> sellouts, these liars, they back these centrist Democrats, otherwise known as conservative corporate Democrats. They... They go after Bernie at every opportunity. So this gave them an opportunity to go after Bernie. So I said, no, hell no. No, 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 no. Then I don't want his endorsement because I don't want to hurt Bernie's chances. Even 1% winning the presidency is so much more important. And, and this is it. Guys, forget my election. 2020 is everything. Bernie has to win. If he wins, we have hope. And we can bring in grassroots army and effectuate change. Right. If Biden or Buttigieg wins, we have no hope at all. That's another four to eight years of the corporate donors ruling us all and no chance at Medicare for all, no chance at Green New Deal, no chance of getting money out of politics. So I wasn't going to risk that under any circumstances. That's why I pulled it back and Bernie pulled it back.
0: Gotcha. Well, it makes sense. And it sucks that you had to go there because, again, this is so undemocratic. It's just not right, which is more the reason why we need to elect real progressives. Jenk, you've been fighting the good fight for years. I'm so glad you're taking it to the ballot box. I hope the people of California's 25th district know a, a good thing when they see it and do the right thing here, as I hope they do in the rest of the country. We, we watched, you know, in 2010, after Barack Obama's, you know, the first midterm after he was elected, it was devastating for the Democrats. Um, this time, it should not only be devastating for the Republicans uh, when, when uh, you know, with Trump up for re-election, um, but this is the time when all those young people, millennials, Gen Xers, who traditionally sit at home and don't vote can show, you give us the right candidate, you give us a candidate who will fight for the things that we want, we will come out in droves. And that's really, I think, what this election is riding on. Am I right?
1: hundred percent. A perfect example is the Michigan primary back in 2016. Bernie uh, was supposed to lose by 18 points yeah. according to the polling, but the polling makes one dramatic mistake. They poll likely Democratic voters. Right. But what Bernie does is he brings out independence. Mm-hmm. I do the same. Okay. Uh, and if you want to win elections, you pick the candidate who brings out independence. And what happened in Michigan? Bernie won by 20, uh, by two points. It was a 20-point swing because Bernie brings out actual centrists, actual independents, not the fake corporate kind. And so there is no question that there is one Democratic candidate most likely to defeat Donald Trump, and it is Bernie Sanders in a landslide. The only reason why everybody in the country doesn't know that is because the liars in the corporate media who, who, who want to bathe in that corporate money and the corrupt money that all of those Democrats and Republicans funnel to them through their ads.
0: Absolutely. Jen Uygur, it's a pleasure talking with you. I, again, I thank you for stepping up and running. I know it's not easy. It's got to wreak havoc on your family and your life and everything. And, and you know, let alone all the attacks that come at you from the, the, the people who want to do you harm. So thank you for stepping up and doing this because it is necessary. I wish, you, I wish I was still in California. I, I couldn't have voted for you anyway. I lived in Culver City. But you uh, definitely have my support. Thank you for joining us today. So appreciate it. So and and let's make it a progressive wave, too. Go for the 100%. Justice Democrat candidates. Um, you know, I work w- closely with Howie Klein, who runs Blue America. He's a regular on my show every week. These are groups that seek out and find the best true progressive candidates. Don't listen to what the party tells you. Listen to what the people on the ground who are doing the hard work are saying. And that's, you know, follow their lead like yours. Thank you, Cenk.
1: Yeah, thank you. Sorry, you got me to say one more (laughs) thing. Howie uh, is awesome. You should check out his blog, Down with Tyranny. He's written some amazing pieces about this California 25 race. Uh, But also, Nicole, it's a great point. If I win, uh, it's a special election. I go in immediately. Mm. I will then turn around and help all other progressive candidates win their primaries because they they try to shame you when you get into Congress. Oh, are you going to you know help uh, defeat your beloved incumbent colleagues? Right. My answer is going to be yes. damn straight I am. Absolutely. Okay, they're not my colleagues. <clears throat> I'm with progressives, and I'm going to help every one of their primary opponents. That's why I, I drive them crazy. That's why they spend so much money attacking me. So let's open the gates. Help me open the gates so that more progressives can. Russian to Congress.
0: Most definitely. Thank you so much, Jenk. Great talking with you. I hope we can do it again when I can call you Congressman Uger. All right.
1: Thank you, Nicole.
0: And that brings us to the end of another edition of the Bradcast. I'm Nicole Sandler, host of The Nicole Sandler Show, based at NicoleSandler.com. Always happy to fill in when I can and uh, give Brad and Desi time off to enjoy the holidays with their families. Big thanks also to Jenk Uger for helping us wrap up this year and for stepping up. And and walking the talk. All right, well, until next time, I will leave you with the immortal words of Brad Friedman, who always signs off by saying, Good luck, world.